spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Andien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs of this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label hi guys and the end spoken label back in the house on a wednesday evening thankfully it's cooler today now i've got a lovely gentleman here called peter humphreys today who's on the next sitting next door to me here virtually and me and peter were going to actually talk yesterday on the tuesday we should have been the hottest day in the year in the united kingdom would have been a good idea that peter really would it <laughs> we would have yesterday. yeah we would have literally <laughs> melted and it was just i said to peter no let's talk wednesday instead now i first met peter relatively recently for his wonderful podcast which we're going to talk about in a few moments first impressions and this is quite funny, this, because uh, me and Amanda and my wife both read it at the same time. And we both, I, I can't, I think, did we contact you separately, Peter, did, or did we, or was it just me? I can't remember now. I'm not sure I was in touch with with with, with, with you, but I think for, for on the podcast side of things, I was keen to to, mm. to hear from both of you on, you know, have you both yeah. as guests on the pod? Yeah, I thought, I can't, I've got the feeling we've not done it separate. I only realised afterwards. <laughs> okay. contacted oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there was that connection because I think yeah. Amanda featured my book on on, uh, yeah. on one of the pods. Uh, yeah, she pods. mentioned she featured you ages ago, didn't she? I'm reading about extracts. And then, then I'm pretty sure she reviewed it and I'm reading in bed as well. No, she really enjoyed it. I remember telling me at the time. So, anyway, Peter, listen, we're going to talk about you today, not me and Amanda. So, now obviously, for people who don't know you then, First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself as a person and where all your creativity originally came from. And we'll start from there. Sure. Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm an editor, uh, a writer and a podcaster. I'm in, up in Lancaster now, um, originally from the Wirral. I spent a lot of time in, uh, in Manchester and then overseas in the US and Hong Kong. And then I've now settled in Lancaster with my wife and the cat and um, so uh, <laughs> every writer's got to have a cat and yeah so I've kind of had a had a sort of up and down journey I think you know I really have always been into writing uh, my focus has varied you know I think like a lot mm. of us in my 20s I was collecting material slash having a good time 
Um, and then, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, so many, so so subtle that way. You said that way. <laughs> <laughs> many smoky pubs and clubs in Manchester. Um, and then, um, you know, just getting to the end of my twenties, I, I, I just had got it in my head that I wanted to write a book before I was thirty, and that coincided with learning about the creative writing masters at Man Met, uh, reading an article about that in City Life, linked to Gwendolyn Riley, who'd, who'd gone through the course and was having. Uh, some success but yeah, I just thought well I can I can do the novel but I'll have some structure and I'll learn some stuff and and through that also made lifelong friends other writers and and you know we've kind of formed a a support network uh, like I know you have with your you know with, with your writer friends and that's become very important um yeah so that's how it started and then it's kind of rolled on from there I had time in Manchester time overseas and uh it took until 2019 before my first novel was published, not that original novel I'd done in the early 2000s. And that was Hong Kong Rocks based on my time spent over there. Yeah, well, so should we talk about Hong Kong Rocks to start off with? Mm. Definitely, because I know, obviously, last far, I've not actually read it, and Amanda's read it, and she loved it, she did. Now, obviously, like, there's a really good article about this on the unstoppableauthor.com, and I think this, this, oh, t- yeah. this, this tells a lot about the book, really, so that's why. So tell us about, first of all, then, where the idea of Hong Kong rocks came from? Well, I, I found myself um, inadvertently living through, you know, fairly momentous times in Hong Kong with the, with the Occupy movement in, in mm. 2014. And a lot of the, you know, the changes uh, sort of politically there, which were obviously affecting uh, the people. And I, I was lucky enough to have a, a you know, a, a diverse group of friends. And the book's actually told from a variety of viewpoints, expat. Uh, Hong Kongese, male and female, and you know it was really looking at the what the the changes which were you know which were coming from from China really asserting uh, its own uh, its own rules and laws in Hong Kong, how that was affecting my friends and colleagues and and contacts there, and I just thought there was um, you know a lot to write about from that point of view, but you know my style is is generally. You know, so I guess it would be sort of a you know a literary fiction, but with thriller aspects and and comedic aspects as well. So uh, it's not any kind of straight up retelling of what 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 happened. It's a fictionalized version of that, with uh, a deeply unre- unreliable narrator telling that uh, telling that story, and the kind of adventures uh, him and the other characters get up to with this you know huge uh, shift in the uh, in the environment of, ha- of hong kong happening all around them brilliant now obviously like gano you said before so this wasn't the first book you wrote it's the first one you've had published mm-hmm. now over this book then obviously i know when um, you were you were a, you were a finalist on a big prize on this one weren't you as well which happened before obviously the book got published tell us about that then yeah, well, in Hong Kong, I was actually in the in the writer's circle over there, which, you know, again, was, a, you know, a, a, was writers writing in, in English, but, you know, expats mm. and, and Hong Kongese and Chinese writers as well. And um, I'd co-edited a couple of fiction anthologies over there, short story collections, and had my own work featured in those as well. And they were published by the writer's circle. Uh, so I was quite engaged in the, in the writing scene over there. And through that, I, I learned about the Proverse Prize, which is an international literary prize and entered in 2018. Uh, went over with my wife, Anita, to the, the awards ceremony, got dressed up, and it didn't win uh, 
the prize. But uh, what Proverse do is they every year they will tend to publish two or three of the the finalists for the prize. And and you know, fortunately, they decided to publish Hong Kong Rocks. Uh, had to change the name. It was the Islands of Hong Kong originally. But they were yeah. worried. Hong, Hong that, Kong uh, rocks is definitely better. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, it took me a while because they just thought Islands of Hong Kong sounded like a sort of, you know, a book on on the geology or something. You know, it sounded like a non-fiction title. So they were like, Ch- change it to this, and you know, went through the whole editing process, which uh, was you know another another eye opener, and then ultimately it was published in 2019. Uh, launched, you know, had a, had a UK launch over here just before the pandemic, really February 2020. Um, and um, it was released, and then I had plans to kind of promote it more, and hence I'm still kind of promoting it now a couple of years on. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that's the story of it, essentially. So I was really happy they had, you know, faith in me and, and, and you know, decided to, to, to run with it. And, um, yeah, it's been a really interesting and nice experience to have a, you know, have a book out there in that way. Yeah, completely. Now, obviously, we, I don't – obviously, again – I know you've bought another book out since then. She's done self-published, haven't you? So now, and I'm going to get try and get this right now. Mm, um, I mm. I called it the wrong title for, and that's where dyslexia kicked in. Oblivious. Sure, yeah. I mean, was it oblivious? You said it was called, and not obvious. It's, yeah, yeah, obvi- it's oblivious. It's oblivious. Yeah, that's sure. another. <laughs> <laughs> perks of being dyslexic. I, I'm not sure I said obvious before, and I knew you told me correct in place. So, <laughs> but I said, but tell us about what made you want to go with that book being self-published. Then? Well, I, I that you know it had me as well because I was I was thinking back to them because that that also was called something different originally that was altered state <laughs> and then I found out that was a movie but but it, it's it's yeah that was a sort of experiment in uh, in a sci-fi take on 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 mm. Hong Kong and, and and China and that relationship they have which I guess you know amongst other you know uh, comparisons you could use it's like big brother and little brother and you know and this was really about rival states in a mm. in a kind of dystopian future but i took a lot of influence from again what was what was happening in hong kong and revisited it fairly recently to 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 re-edit it it's a kind of yeah it's a sort of a road movie uh, uh you know a fantasy with a sort of um you know odd collection of characters who are brought mm. together um, by uh, you know a, dr- a dramatically changing world, so so it satisfied my my kind of yeah my sci-fi tendencies. I'd say I've got quite a lot of different influences, and uh, yeah, it had a little bit originally. I sent it off to agents and publishers. I think Galantz, uh, I did hear back from them, and they liked some of it. Uh, it opens with um, <laughs> it opens with a, a slightly unfortunate. Uh, sex scene which for some reason Oops. I decided was um essential so they weren't too keen on that but they you know and I think they'd, they'd published all well back in the day I was disappointed I didn't want to take it on but I still saw some you know merit in that so I tweaked it uh, including that first scene and uh, that's available on uh, lulu.com as a you know as a self-published effort now I mean I think something really nice about that doing you know self-published projects as well is you know, you can look to you know, create your own artwork, create your own packaging for it. And and that was, um, you know, the cover was actually done by my wife, Anita, who's uh, an illustrator and animator. And, and she did a fantastic job of that. So, yeah, it's just it's nice to have have that in print. And uh, who's to say I might I might sort of revisit it, you know, retweak it in future. But, you know, like a few of my previous books, uh, it didn't you know, it didn't quite connect with with agents and publishers, but 
you know, of course, that's the, you know, that that's the game we're in. And you've just got to find someone to, you know, to, to fall in love with your book. And, and you know, that's, uh, you know, that's that's quite a challenge with, with so much great writing out there. Oh, God, yeah, completely. There's so much competition nowadays, I think, in, mm. in some ways a dwindling market, definitely. Like it was, I've done a number of poetry collections myself and the second, third and fourth one all were interested by publishers. And for one reason or another, I didn't go ahead with the deal. Very, uh, various reasons, various reasons why. Uh, so, okay. Yeah, but I know what you mean when that is. And then, like, it's sometimes you think the DIY approach, I think it, do it yourself. Or your case yeah. is do it your set, do it to a pair of you, because the man does, does a lot of my covers. Yeah, like, it, yeah. that's why. So it's, I think it's sometimes I prefer, you prefer the self control, don't you? So. Yeah, That's it's, why, it's, so. it's great to have that. And if you've got an ally, you know, who happens to be a partner as well, who's, who's going to help with that, that just, you know, that 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 helps all the more. So, um, you know, and it's, um, yeah, it's very difficult because you, you'll have had the similar experiences to me of like, you know, sort of publisher or agents really seeming to like your work. And then for one reason or another, you know, suddenly the emails dry up and, you know, and obviously they're looking at it from a, from a, a, a very commercial point of view often, and uh, there may be things that in in your work that aren't you know that, that don't quite tick those boxes. So it's yeah, it's tricky, and it's nice to be able to to get stuff out there and and maybe combine that with other stuff that is published more conventionally. I think that's a nice route to go. Yeah, I do think there is scope for it nowadays more and more. So obviously, like you said, with obviously Amazon doing what they do, Lulu, and I know Amanda uses Drafted Digital as well. She does, and oh, I've got okay. a few books out in Smashwords in Split Book to do with like a member of mine because. A friend of mine does me, well, what you do once every two years. Last two years, it hasn't been a bit more prolific, where we do split, split anti-war books. Oh, and we, yes, we've yes. done six of them so far in 11 years. So it's like, wow. that's obviously, soon they had all the problems with Ukraine last year and and obviously Afghanistan last year as well. That's moved us up the ante in that one, but yeah, that's still every day. Yeah, I, mean, I was intrigued by that. I saw a social media post about that recently. I hadn't, hadn't been aware you were doing that. So that's that's poetry, is yeah. it? Yeah, my poetry. side's poetry, Nick's, well, it should be poetry. Sometimes he's a lot more freeform than I am, so okay. <laughs> sometimes it's a little bit different, but nicely so. But it's just, it is what it is, because I'm not taught, I'm not going into politics on it. I'm just telling the stories. I can do the research and making them poetry with no comments about who's wrong, who's right. Because I want want people to see the stories, what's happening. So, but listen, talk about me there. Back to you right now. I want to go on to the next thing, piece about you as well. Is about your podcast, how we first got Mm -hmm. talking. Your obviously Mm. your podcast itself, first impressions. Mm -hmm. Now, which I know you said you started. Well, probably, I think it was last year, but it was about a year or so ago. Maybe look a bit more, actually. Now, tell us, obviously, what made you want to do a podcast? Well, it was actually in, if I remember right, it was in um, 2020, during the, the lockdown, mm. probably towards the end of that year, I think. And uh, as mentioned, I'd sort of been focused, you know, I was kind of, you know, I'm someone who quite enjoys readings, and I was looking forward to having you know, get, getting the book out there and, and doing bits and bobs in Manchester and where have you. But uh, as it turned out, you know, the the lockdown just gave me an opportunity. I think I'd, I'd always, you know, I've been enjoying podcasts for a few years and, um, you know, did have it in mind to perhaps attempt one. And I think in lockdown, it was, uh, the motivation really was sort of just to spread a bit of humour, you know, whether mm. uh, my impressions and, 
uh, <laughs> silly musical ditties count as humour or not. I'll leave that for other people to decide. But how it turned out was, you know, I'd kind of, you know, um, put those together with interviews with, um, you know, people who were doing interesting creative uh, projects, whether, whether they were writers uh, or musicians. Uh, yeah, you know, just to have a kind of in-depth chat with them um, and, uh, and, and record that. And I found, you know, that was something I I enjoyed like as we were saying before you know we both we both like to chat and I, ju I just kind of you know the challenge was editing it down quite often and uh, then also I, I kind of did another podcast later on called Monkey Scribbling and that was mm. with a friend who's unfortunately you know had found out he was he was pretty pretty ill and and, oh. and what was great I think about the podcasting was I was able to kind of use the skills I'd learned doing first impressions and put that into Monkey Scribbling and that was based on us just simply reading our old letters from university days to each other. And oh, that's uh, brilliant. I, so I kind of, I'm, I'm putting in music from the time, you know, kind of recreating a bit of that early 90s stuff, which was, which was pre-tech and, and, and going over old times. And we just recorded that in, in, in the summer house. I've got oh, out back fantastic, here. Fantastic. fantastic. Uh, so that was, that was another way because first impressions is kind of, you know, um, yeah, quite, you know, fairly tightly uh, sort of edited and produced and stuff. And, and the chats with my mate Rich were, were more of a ramble, but, you know, again, it was, you know, it's just good. It's good. It's good oh, ramble, rambling rules, right? So <laughs> rambling I'm always rules. believe definitely that one. Oh, brilliant. So and all of a sudden, tell us about then how your approach has changed with first impressions then, since you first started doing it. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I would say... Um, yeah, I've kind of, uh, I, I suppose, I, I suppose at first I was um, looking also as, you know, as, as, as a way of, of promoting my work. And, and I would still love to do like an audio book of Hong Kong rocks when I've got the time. Uh, but then I think very quickly, you know, the focus changed to, to other people who, who intrigued me. And, and, you know, I think that started off with Garth Simmons, fantastic writer based in Manchester. And we'd never met, but he reached out over Instagram. I think I'd put a shout out saying, you know, anyone like to appear on the pod, um, you know, and he he signed up. And that was just really interesting. And, you know, as with yourself, we've become friends through the podcast you and, do. Um, you, do. you know, done, done some collaborations together since then. But, um, yeah, I found it. I found that really fascinating. And then similarly with, you know, with yourself and Amanda, it was, you know, it's just a time when I think it's important to, you know, look to, towards indie indie publishing and 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 DIY you know stuff because there's such, such interesting things there rather than always looking towards the mainstream or the big publishers or what's trendy now and trying to second guess you yeah, know what, no, what might be publishable I, I found it much more enjoyable to connect with uh you know with 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 other writers who are in a similar you know position and uh you know just want to get their work out there and who are often you know really really good people as well yeah, I agree. It's doing what we're doing because there's this big similarity, I think, in the sense of we're both operating on like a ground roots level. Mm, and it's exactly. like, and I'm, I'm obviously, when I first started doing this, it's common knowledge. I, said, I remember Amanda telling me at the time, she thought I'd run out talk to people, run out people to talk to after 18 months. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Six no. and a half years later, <laughs> you knew. Like, I've ended up like, you meet, you're right, you meet a lot of friends on people, like people you may not, you may have only met once. Like, we would have met in person once. 
on another talk to couple times. But we got we keep connecting yeah, yeah. immediately. I've got yeah. a band, I've just formed a new band actually, and we're a young lady from oh, Huddersfield, and I'll tell you about my mic in a bit. I'm going to put her in contact with you. She's fantastic, one of the best poets I've come across. And it was like That's we met cool. through spoken yeah. label, and it was like. You, you connect to people sometimes in ways you don't expect to think so yeah yeah that's brilliant and and it just you know and that network spreads and spreads doesn't it you know that that's uh that's really cool yeah um i met on speakeasy last month obviously then i i co-run amanda and steve on open mic night one of your big friends maria roberts as well so oh yes. So, yes, yeah yes obviously i you unfortunately were down for speakeasy last month, but you got the dreaded COVID, unfortunately. Finally, so, yeah. finally got it. it yeah, yeah <laughs> it caught him. And then we met Maria then, who you booked him for, and Maria was lovely. Oh, she's unbelievable, mm. surely, Tyler. That's why. So, but last night, did you know Maria? I'm guessing you knew Maria for first impressions, didn't you? Well, no, I knew Maria actually from the Masters. So we go way oh, back. It's uh, right. Maria and a, another really close friend, Zoe Lambert. We met. Uh, oh, we know you know Zoe did. Oh, blimey, yeah. So Zoe yeah. told me at uni she did. Oh, blimey, that was a while ago. Oh gosh, right, right. Well, well I, yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? We're all we're all connected. I mean, they they, they were to you know Zoe had studied at East Anglia, and when we finished, me and Maria were both at Mum Met, mm. and then um, uh, we just continued the workshopping with with me, oh. Maria, and Zoe, and we've we've done it off and on you know until until recently you know we, we've been doing it sort of last year and stuff looking at each other's work and you know being supportive and and frank about it so uh yeah so maria's a very old friend going going back to those days and oh wow you know and i think if, oh, you, wow. if you're friends with someone and you're writers over that length of time you you, you see the ups and downs the inevitable ups and downs oh completely yeah I've got a few writer friends that date about way, way, 20 years, 25 mm. years in some cases. And yep. the fun one before was, and I've not told you about this at all, I was on your First Impressions website before, actually. Oh, yeah. I was looking at your current recent reading, and it the one that you wouldn't realise oh. was uh, Squid Squad by Matthew Welton, published by oh, Carlton yeah. Press. Yeah, Matthew, yeah. Matthew Welton may deny this now, but he was my teacher at Bolton University. Ah, right, okay, right, right. That was a long time ago. So I know. Well, um, well, I'm not going to embarrass him with that one, so we'll move on. But that's uh, why, so. a, a lovely guy, a lovely guy. I, I got, you know, knew him a little bit a, a long time ago now, but he was one of your teachers. Yeah, yeah, he taught, were... me, taught me poetry in, uh, well, second and third year at Bolton University. I was wonderful. Oh, wow, yeah. that's why. So, like I said, he made an I made an I teaching me now because I was a bit of a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not rebel. Right, more rebel than a clue, not a cause. Definitely so back then. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Peter, obviously, um, well, we're going to start winding down. I only want you to get into mm -hmm. a bit of reading for us in the second half. Now, sure. I want to ask you about obviously start winding down now. Obviously, I know first impressions will be carrying on as an ongoing series. People are wondering, mm -hmm. won't it? So. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Now, I know you don't do it as regular spoken label, but you do it every couple of weeks, really, don't you? You tell me before, so usually, don't you? So, with with the podcast, when I can, yeah, I'm working on a new novel now and and a short story collection, uh, which you know, South American tales actually, because I've spent a bit of oh, time yeah. over there with Anita. So, it, the podcast is sort of, you know, it's I, I find it quite addictive. And I love it, you know, and I love coming up with the with the music and 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 trialing my 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 strange impressions and so on. But I have to remind myself, that, you know, I've been uh, I've been I've been working on this novel for a couple of years now, so I'm just looking towards 
getting that finished, getting in touch with agents and publishers and the usual. And uh, and also, but, you know, the, the nice thing is I'll, I'll look for, a, uh, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll look for an agent once again. You know, the, the, the quest goes on for that. But then the stories I'm doing with Anita, she's going to illustrate and we'll, we'll probably release that as a kind of limited edition, you know, il- illustrated book. Uh, so, so, yeah, so the podcast sometimes has to, you know, it has to work around those a little bit at the moment. But I've got some a couple of guests lined up uh, for after the summer. Course, uh, course. You know, and I think I'm hoping, um, yeah, David Gaffney again, sort of local. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Amanda's had Amanda's had dealing with David Gaffney before. I've not oh, okay. met him. I've not met him. I know the name certainly. So I'm brilliant. Yeah. yeah, he's a great writer. So, so yeah, you know, there, there will be, you know, that um, some more guests lined up. Probably, probably be after the summer now, and by then, hopefully, I'll have finished the the first draft of Adrift, which is the um, brilliant the new book. I mean, I say first draft; it's never a first draft. It's about the third or fourth, but usually you know, it's usually the is. first full one that I'll, I'll hopefully be happy with. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's the yeah. plan. Now, what's the plan? Obviously, then, obviously, with Anita, obviously, doing is an illustrated novel for you, then, because obviously that's quite a different approach to doing as a straight novel, isn't it? Then for yourself. Well, well, she'll actually do. It's a collection of short stories. So there's oh, not the short stories, sorry, my fault. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, no, no worries. I mean, they're they're, they're quite long. There'll only be like four or five of them. But uh, yeah, she's sort of looking at the moment to uh, decide what what kind of you know. Yeah, obviously, she's got a lot of options open in terms of how how mm. she might might want to to bring that to life through her artwork. But I've got total faith in her. You know, she's she's a, a, a total genius with all of that. So so I'm kind of handing it over to her. And of course, because it's set, the stories are set in Argentina and Uruguay. She's also having to do a little check through because I'll, I'll have inserted bits of Spanish in there. I'll have, oh. you know, there'll be bits of geography and history at the time. And really? so she might pick me up on a few things and go, actually, you know, you need an accent here or, or, or you know, she'll tell me if something is is realistic or not. But but you know, one of one of those stories is Justice, which was you know long list long listed for the BBC oh, Story Award. Oh, um, yeah, I did say did year, see that listed brilliant last oh, year, brilliant. which which was you know which, which was lovely, and uh, you know that's. But then, you know, I think I've sent that round to a few publishers, and no one's picked it up. So again, I just thought, well, I'll get that out there, and and I'll also get it out there with you know with some of Anita's work attached to it, which will make it extra special. No, I'll do it, man. Definitely. And it sounds a great idea. So good luck with it, definitely. Do you have any sort of yeah. idea when you'd be looking? Obviously, if you if you have to go down and self-publish it, it'd be, this won't be this year, but this will be next year, minimum, won't it, I'm guessing? It'd be, it'd be next year, yeah. Yeah, so so the stories are pretty much done. And, um, you know, Anita will, will, you know, she'll have a summer break now, so she'll be working on the illustrations. But, yeah, you know, we won't we won't rush that out. I mean, it, it'll be, we'll wait till we're happy with it and, as I say, well, we, you know, we're looking at a few different printers and we just want to make it, you know, really, really, really nice looking and, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a kind of, um, yeah, it's kind of a, a testament to what, you know, our travels over there in the same way as Hong Kong Rocks is a bit of a love letter to, you know, my old home. So, yeah, so we want to make something really nice. It'll probably be next year for that. No, fingers crossed. Well, when that's obviously ready, I'd we'll love to bring you back on here. And we'll definitely try and persuade you to bring a nature on as well. So I'd love to talk to you oh, about yeah. the creative process in it. <laughs> and if I could do that, so I'll probably grab bring Amanda on board as well. So she can ask her all her piercing questions about your book and uh, stuff. So that would be brilliant. Oh, yeah, I'd love to do it. I'll have a talk about that. Definitely. That'd, That'd be, be great fun. So now, obviously, Peter, if people want to get hold of your books on, we know obviously. Oblivious is obviously available on lulu.com. I'm yep. guessing obviously Hong Kong Rocks is available. I know I've seen it on Amazon, 
But it's available on the usual place otherwise, I'm presuming, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it is. I mean, if people don't use Amazon, I think it's, it's on uh, bookshop.org. And um, it's uh, Provost work with the Chinese um, University of Hong Kong. So it's available through them as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, in, in, in one of those places, and and you know, with Amazon, you've got it as a as an ebook as well. Brilliant. Well, good luck. Good luck in the next book, Peter. And I would love to help to speak to bring you Thanks back again, mate. So right, Thanks we're going to take a quick break now, guys and girls, and we're going to get Peter to do a couple of pieces in the second half here. So and bring gratefulness today, mate. So how does how does it feel for you, Peter? Been on, been on the other side of it after interviewing me a couple months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Different. Very, very nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't I don't have my I don't have my my prompts on my script, so I'm just I'm just freestyling. So I hope it's okay. <laughs> story, story of my life, that really. That I wish freestylies. I'll often have people wondering at the history of spoken labels. I often make sure I've got I know what I'm going to talk about, but I don't have second. Sure. I try not to keep off the questions. So sure, that's why yeah, to keep yeah. you say because freestyle the best we can. So yeah, right yeah. guys, I know we'll let Peter go and get composed. We'll see you all in two minutes. Spoken label. Spoken label. Hi guys. Tam spoken label. And Ian, the wonderful Peter Humphreys. This is my favourite time of the podcast now. And I I've worn Peter out into a, into almost a bloody pulp of this is my nonsense for half an hour. So I'm gonna shut up now and let him do the serious stuff now. So over to you, Peter. I know you're going to do two pieces for us. And I think the first one's on Hong Kong rocks, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. 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 Over to you, mate. Okay. So this is uh, Hong Kong rocks, chapter one. The deal was he would speak English all day, every day. That suited him fine. Like most expats, he only had a few words of Cantonese pronounced differently each time he used them. They were at the Central Star Ferry Terminal, eating ice cream in the rain. May wore a purple winter parka with a hood all the way up. He noticed her bright black eyes had started to dull. What's the matter? Paul asked. Been here before, said May, kicking at the promenade. Not been here before in English, though, have you? He grinned. In truth, he wanted to kill her. When he was growing up, they still had grammar schools. At the grammar schools, they played rugby. Going to grammar school had been his start in life. Now everything had stopped. Still, he was quietly confident he could drop kick eight-year-old May between the two tallest skyscrapers on the opposite side of the harbour with ease. So boring, she said. You bad teacher. He couldn't deny it. He might have been a good teacher once when he first arrived in Hong Kong with his books of Liverpool poets and dreams of the exotic East. Now he was a bad teacher, perhaps even a bad human being, though it was hard to work out how much of his self-loathing was tied to his hangover and how much he would have recognised unassisted by stomach-churning queasiness and chronic dehydration. Shall we go to the Maritime Museum? He asked. Read about the pirates that used to sail the South China Sea. Pirates are boring. You wouldn't be saying that if there's one here now, would you? He binned his ice cream wrapper and turned back to her in character. Arr, he growled. Shiver me timbers. You'll be walking the plank before the sun sets on the old empire. You are stupid, said May. Very stupid man. Undeterred, Paul began to wave an imaginary cutlass. I'll cut you to ribbons and send you to Davy Jones's locker. What is locker? What is Davy Jones? Paul wondered if he should tell her. She had to know sooner or later. 
Davy Jones was a little Cockney singer in the Monkees, but was also Davy Bowie's name before he changed it so as the listening public didn't get them mixed up when they was reading their melody makers. Mama says you drink too much. Every pirate's allowed his rum, Paul yelled. Now I'm coming to get you. She squealed as he wrapped his arms around her. He could smell the foggy dampness on her padded cotton coat, the damp that made everything rot here. Clothes, books, notes, pictures, even the walls of your pokey apartment. As compensation, he got to inhale the perfect freshness of the long black hair she had carefully folded into her hood when it began to rain. Yes, he could smell the caffeine shampoo that her mother chose for its alleged brain-enhancing properties, but there was also the scent of May's perfect skin that existed in defiance of the sourness of its owner. It was the scent of the future, and it made him want to cry. Fantastic, Peter. Really, really vivid, that. Like yeah. I loved hearing your Wirral accent come, come to the foreground <laughs> there, just for a few seconds, then. Do you, do you, I love that for, no, obviously, yeah, when you mentioned before, obviously, in the podcast, like, you're Richard from the Wirral. Did it feel weird bringing your Wirral accent up then right up to the forefront in that piece, then, for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up on the on the West Wirral, really, but um, you know, Liverpool was always was always close, and I lived there for a little while. Um, so um, yeah, so Liverpool's always been sort of close to my heart, and and I yeah, I wanted this character to be from my old neck of the woods, basically. Yeah, it's brilliant and really vivid. I love that. It was great to hear you do that one, definitely, mate. So thank you. <laughs> anyway, now for the other piece you're going to do for today, it's just something a bit different now, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I'm going to read from uh, Justice, which is a short story um, I'd entered into the, the BBC Short Story Award last year. And uh, it was it was long listed. There wasn't an official long list, but they they sent me an email saying, you know, congratulations, you're in the top 50 of, you know, it's over a thousand uh, writers, I think, you know, and, I, you know, and obviously it's very, um, you know, subjective, the whole the whole prize thing. But it was it was a bit of a boost that you sometimes need as you're, you know, as you're, as you're going about your, your writing. And um, so, um, yeah, so I thought I'd read a bit of this. It's set in Buenos Aires. I think the thing that listeners might need to know is that in Argentina, uh, the actual vaccine for COVID, it's, it's a contemporary story. So the, the, the vaccine for COVID actually is the, the Russian Sputnik vaccine. So that just explains a little bit of this, this part of the story. Go for it, mate. <laughs> okay, thanks. Your mask, senor, whispers the shy Bolivian woman from the fruit and veg concession located at the entrance of the Chinese supermarket. What? Her words have followed him up the deserted aisle like a spell. By the time he has accepted they are real, the old man's anger has also become genuine. He turns with difficulty and drags his trolley back past the bottles of Malbec standing to attention either side of him. For months he has refused to shop here, ever since it opened in fact, but finally the mosquitoes have driven him to the chino, the jungle spray and a spiral to burn to poison the bastards, items they don't sell anywhere else nearby. Between the freestanding checkouts he finds a gangling crowd of tattooed youngsters, girls and boys, are busy squirting themselves and each other from the pedal-operated bottle of hand sanitizer beside a display of luminous sweets and chocolate bars. Now they are heading straight for him. Encantado, 
a skinny wastrel smiles, doffing an imaginary cap and sending his girlfriend into exaggerated giggles. The old man ignores them as they brush past him in turn, laughing manically, exposing noses, eyebrows, cheekbones, another ephemera of youth on their way to find more cheap fernet with which to fuel their idiocy. He closes his eyes, but finds his nostrils unable to filter out the sweetness of their cheap perfumes, the tang of sweat and booze. No matter, the old man is only interested in confronting the puta who called him out. There she is, hidden behind her fruit and vegetables, wearing a multicolored mask like she's on her way to carnival. He makes a beeline for her, but is immediately intercepted. Senor, it is the Asiatic misfit that passes for the manager. White shirt, black tie, fringe stuck to his forehead. The old man tries to walk straight through him but Yi is quick on his pointy-toed shoes and moves to one side while retaining his balance. No shopping without a mask, Yi tells him in fractured Spanish. No mask, no shopping. The old man looks up at him. Can you believe it? He, a decorated officer, descendant of the hill tribes of Scotland and the conquerors of the Americas, having a Chinaman speak down to him. He doesn't know what to say, finds himself chewing gummily on air, staring at the floor, into which his doctor confirms he is sinking day by day. I, 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 he says at last. Maybe he's had the vaccine, a harsh voice calls over from one of the perspex cubicles where they scan the goods. He looks up. It is a girl of 20 or so with spots and artificially red hair. What? asks she, half turning towards her. He's an old guy, leave him alone. Maybe he's had the vaccine already. Overhearing this, a neatly bearded delinquent glances up from his inspection of a label and yells, Shay, communista, you've had the Sputnik vaccine up your ass. And then, raising the bottle, salud. And there it is. The familiar blood-boiling rage is returning. He can almost taste it. Re-energized, he prepares to pursue the scoundrel, imagines smashing a wine bottle over his conceited head. Again, he is foiled, this time by his ally with the red hair, who has slipped out of a plastic shell and is now ripping open a small cellophane bag and slipping the elastic bands of one of these stupid masks over his ears. All at once, she is replaced by Yi. Tranquillo, senor, he coos. You give me your order, we find what you need. Like an automaton. He finds his mouth moving before the swaying faces, his words coming out on a conveyor belt. Mosquito spray, spiral, milk, sherba, dog food. Thank you, he says, even as Yi has somehow got hold of his wallet and is sliding out the pesos required to cover the groceries before replacing it in his breast pocket. And then, his shopping trolley loaded, he is being ushered to the door, and behind him, he can hear the bleeping of the registers and the ironic laughter of the bastard children as they pay for their next round at his expense. Slowly, the realisation of what has happened sinks in. They took him for a coward, for an old man scared of catching the flu. He's sick of being called a coward. If it weren't for his bad knees, he would have been with them in the Maldinas. He isn't scared of catching it. He isn't scared of anything. He needs to tell them. He summons up all his remaining strength and turns back at them. Foreign muck, he yells, ripping off his face mask, just as Lucretia, whose parents he barely remembers killing, walks in through the automatic doors. Tremendous. Wow.
that's completely different to the first piece I was just <laughs> which just as vivid that one completely no no fantastic piece yeah. really really great stuff that mate so it's been a pleasure today. It's been a pleasure today, mate. I've been I've been looking forward to this one. I always look forward to chatting to people and spoken label. Is is I'll be honest, it is everybody. But when you've been talking to me like Peter Me and we met in your podcast a couple months ago, this one's been pensive for a while, but it's been a pleasure tonight, mate. It's been absolutely brilliant. A pleasure for me, Andy. Yeah. I, I'm really, really happy you've had me on. Yeah, same. We'd love to get you on next time with your wife Anita, and I'll have to get Amanda chipping in with some hard hitting questions for you. So <laughs> let's do it. Let's do let's it. Do, let's do it. Let's go. Have a podcast fight, right? So <laughs> anyway, Peter, hang around, obviously, because we're going to sort we've got other stuff to sort out after this. But thank you again, mate. Today, it's been a wonderful experience. Thank you, Andy. Thanks Take much. care, guys and girls. Yes, that's the end of it. Another episode of Spoken Label. As Don Callis over at Impact Wrestling says. Stay safe and stay over, and we will see you all next time. Spoken, mate.